Hey guys, welcome back to Divine Healing by Dee. Today I have on Katie. She is the founder of the Water Soul blog. And she's a life coach, energy coach, and Reiki practitioner. We're going to talk about um, how to have boundaries with our friends and our clients. Like how not to become their coach when we should just be their friend. We're going to talk about how she got started. And how she's loving her new business and helping people and what fear means to her so i hope you guys enjoy her and here she is hey my name's katie uh katie kirchheim i um own the the watered soul um which is my coaching life coaching energy coaching uh business and um yeah that's a little bit about me so far so i read a little that you kind of had to reevaluate your life and you chose this path from somewhere that wasn't typically in like the wellness or health field. So what caused you to become a coach? Sure. Um, so in my early twenties, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia and an autoimmune disease. Um, and from there really, I had made just, lifestyle changes, um, you know, incorporating meditation and um, different wellness practices so that I to take medication all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really how I started to get kind of get into spirituality and um, coaching. And then um, the past few years, um, you know, just <laughs> people like at a party or people that I, I met friend of a friend would come up to me and start asking me questions about like spirituality and how to start meditating and, you know, just different bits of information that I've learned from my own experience. Um, and everyone would be like, do you do this for a living? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and uh, so that's really how I was like, oh, I guess I could like use this like knowledge that I've accumulated to help people and that's kind of what pointed me in the direction of coaching. Like, yeah, just trying to use my gifts and my abilities to help people. That's great. So what does it mean to you to be an energy coach? Like, how do you sell yourself to, like, pro- uh, like new clients that you want to help? Yeah, so uh, I've had, like, a crazy relationship with energy because mm-hmm. um, when you have fibromyalgia, it's really all about energy and you have to be very in tune with how much you can, can do and what your body is capable of. Um, so that's really where I started focusing more on energy work and trying to figure out, you know, what my boundaries are, what my limits were, how I can um, maintain energy or get energy back. I felt like in the past, it was just kind of like, well, this is just my life. I don't, I don't have enough energy. Um, so that's kind of where I started the energy work. Um, and for me, working with clients that want to focus on their energy, it's really about like kind of just tapping into understanding your energy a little bit more mm-hmm. and like how you, that you're in control of it. Cause sometimes I feel that, energy is very like powerful so it can like overcome you instead of you being like wait a second that's I don't want to ride that wave you know like I want to I want to 
feel good or I want to be able to go to that party or I want to be able to relax today. Um, so kind of just taking ownership of your energy and reading um, certain practices. Like for me, Reiki is like great, but for other people, maybe breath work is a way they kind of tune into their energy and start controlling it a little bit more. Right. And what do you say to people who think that fibromyalgia is like an umbrella term, that there's like no such thing and there's something uh, like deeper and spiritual and, you know, doctors don't know what that is, so they just like created this term, hey, fibromyalgia. What do you say to them? Yeah, so um, I I love this, this topic because it comes up a lot, um, but I think fibromyalgia is like, a way for doctors to say, like, you have an overactive nervous system. Um, mm-hmm. And for sensitive people, we take in a lot more than, like, the average person. And when you yeah. don't know how to – when you don't really, one, know that you do do that when you're taking in other people's energies or just, like, other people's emotions or even just, like, being outside, might be you might be more sensitive to nature, you know, or whatever – whatever it is for you, when you kind of accumulate all these little bits and pieces of information and you never, like, figure out how to release it, it, you know, becomes tension or pain in your body. I do think, you know, behind fibromyalgia is certain trigger points Mm -hmm. um, where certain parts of your body are very, very tender to the touch and very painful. Um, so the, the prime way doctors diagnose you is by identifying if you have trigger points. Um, now, for me, I think it is more about how you treat your body, and mm-hmm. you'll always have those trigger points. They're always going to be tender. They're always going to be areas where, you know, tension or lactoid acid accumulate more frequently than someone else, you know, like a normal average person. Um, so uh-huh. once you figure out where those trigger points are and the doctors do help you figure that out, then you can figure out, okay, well, how can I release the tension there? How can I release energy in that specific spot? Um, so I think it's kind of a mix of, you know, um, getting some guidance from your doctor. I had a great doctor um, in the beginning who wasn't all about medication. You know, finding uh-huh. a doctor that truly believes, like, you just need to alter your lifestyle. You know, like uh, sleep is a big issue with fibromyalgia. Mm. So, um, you know, instead of giving me a pill, my doctor was like, get a sound machine. Oh, <laughs> okay. okay. You know, so just like kind of finding the right doctor and then finding the right coach to like guide you through it and, you know, incorporate these little things that you may not think of, like getting a sound machine or getting a sleep mask to really be the the game changer for your body. Yeah, I think those are, and probably like a good diet. Do you follow like any kind of diet where you restrict some things? Um, I do, not because of fibromyalgia, but because mm-hmm. um, I just always try to find ways that are more natural to feel good. Um, so I'm mm-hmm. gluten-free, um, and mm-hmm. I did that. I felt very bloated all the time. Like I didn't have any celiac disease. I didn't get any treatment or anything like that. I was just like, you know what? If I could eliminate something and feel like a shit ton better, why not? (laughs) You know? Um, And I really just did it as like, okay, I'm going to do this for like two months. 
And I, I never went back because I felt so amazing. Um, and then I also, that's been um, recent for me in the last two years or so, um, because I would go to dermatologists and I would have such bad acne. They would give me all these, um, you know, lotions and all stuff. Yeah. Pills and all stuff, but it wouldn't, it wasn't like finding the root cause of the issue. Um, so then I was like, okay, let me go the lifestyle approach, get an esthetician, try out different facial treatments, try out different things. They recommended to me to go dairy free. They're like, yeah. it's coming from your stomach. It's not, I was like, okay, went dairy free, clears my skin. <laughs> so um, awesome. I think our bodies also change, you know, as we oh, yeah. change. If you change your environment, you might develop acne like or allergies or whatever. So just kind of being in tune with your where your body is at any given moment, you know. Those are great tips for anyone who is, you know, struggling with acne or just if someone is like thinking they have fibromyalgia, so... Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that. But I kind of want to like shift a little bit and talk about something that we talked about briefly when we met the thing about Mm -hmm. how to stay a friend with a friend and not become their coach, because this is something I can talk about for a while. I have been guilty of (laughs) trying to be my friend's coach. I'm sad to say I've probably alienated myself from friends because of that. <laughs> so, how do mm-hmm. you stay a friend with a friend and not become their coach? Ah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, I I coach a lot of friends actually, and um, I think the thing to keep in mind is that we're we are not always coaches. You know, we're mm-hmm. you know a mom friend or a partner or whoever we are and just kind of embodying that when appropriate. Um, yeah. So, you know, you know, I think I've established a good kind of like verbal communication with my friends of like, they will call me and specifically, specifically say, can you coach me? Mm. You know, because I think coaching the difference to me between coaching and being a friend friend I'm going to give you my opinion or advice and coach I'm going to use the techniques and the tools I've learned to extract the why you know um, whereas if you call me and say hey stop yeah quit your job (laughs) you know what I mean but if you call me like can you coach me through this and they say I hate my job I'll be like well what do you like about your job why do you want to change your job? Right. So I think it's just kind of that, that mental clarity of who you are to that person. Um, and I'll, you know, I think too is there's a difference between being coached and learning about coaching. Because sometimes I think friends are very curious about what you're doing and maybe they don't completely understand it, but Mm-hmm. instead of like trying to coach them I will just kind of give them the like surface level you know this is what coaching is like just talking about it with them instead of trying to like transform their lives you know <laughs> yeah I have well I tend to like just speak to everybody as a coach I feel like it's just my nature and mm. I've had times where <laughs> a friend of mine was like 
Davina, stop talking about energy. This, like, enough. It's not about energy. And then she just, like, talked herself deeper, deeper into, like, a big black negative hole. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, part of me is not feeling understood. I'm not feeling respected or uh, just accepted by her. And that really put, like, a sour taste in my mouth. I'm like, if I can't be myself and I can't talk to her without her having such a terrible negative defensive reaction like maybe this person isn't meant to be in my life for much longer like have you ever had that kind of experience where you're like just talking to a friend and you're just like I feel like we're on two different paths whatever the, whatever I do even try to be the friend you take it mm-hmm. and you just if you don't run with it and try to be better you just take it and you know go into that deep black yeah. hole so yeah I think um, I heard a term recently that, like, just resonated with me, which is, like, mm-hmm. soul speak, right? Mm. So, like, I think that when you, when you are soul, like, you feel so connected because you feel like this is your, not just your purpose, but is a part of who you are. Like, your soul is, like, a coach and a healer. And mm-hmm. when you are talking to someone that maybe does not understand or your souls are like just speaking a different language, you almost have to change the language you're using, you know, um, maybe it's not that, you know, your friend doesn't want what you're offering is maybe just mm-hmm. like, you know, to her, you're speaking a different language <laughs> if that makes mm. sense so it's like yeah it makes it's a lot almost of sense. like not being translated um whereas you know I think for me I kind of try to communicate on different levels like of spirituality so if I'm like talking to a friend that like I know is not at that depth that I am currently at you know I'll bring it like two notches down or something mm. You know, instead mm-hmm. of, like, maybe throwing out things specifically about energy, maybe I'll say, well, you know, how have you been feeling lately? <laughs> you know, just kind of, like, taking it down to a language that they can understand and appreciate without them feeling like we are coaching them. <laughs> I like that. That's, that's great. Yeah, that's my, my thoughts on it. So what are your boundaries as a coach? Because we all have to have Mm. boundaries as a coach. It's very important. Yeah. um, My boundaries are, like, I am definitely not, like, you know, real trauma, like abuse or, like, you know, domestic violence or anything like that. That's, you know, there are amazing people out there that have degrees and, education way beyond mm-hmm. my skill set. Um, so I I would say that's a boundary for me. If, you know, you're coming to me for that, you should probably go seek a professional in that space mm-hmm. and work with me at the same time because I'm really focused on life after trauma, right? Like mm. once you have identified your trauma – and then have figured out what it is, where it comes from, then you need help just navigating your natural life. And that's where I think my coaching is. 
Great. And what if you are with you're working with someone and they start making you feel a bit uncomfortable, you feel like it's going from like coach to somewhere else you don't want it to go. Like how do you basically put your foot down and like respectfully like tell them like, Hey, like I'm your coach. I'm not this, I'm not that. You're putting me in different boxes. Like, please don't like, how do you make sure they know that you're just their coach? Mm, Yeah. Um, So one of the great things that I've learned from my certification program, so I I did um, become a health coach, PhD. Mm -hmm. Um, They kind of teach you how to redirect the conversation. Um, Mm -hmm. So in that, basically, you know, kind of make sure you um, hear them out, but also just kind of gently nudge them back into the direction you're trying to get them. And then at the end, also, have like this pool of like a network like people you can recommend you know so Mm -hmm. hey like I heard during our discussion like you were really concerned with x but outside of my wheelhouse but here's someone that you may want to work with or talk to I like that that's that's a really good uh thing to say how about people who hmm what if you have a lot of clients, you see like this is like a common theme that they like to, uh, they like to, they attract projects. Like they're always dealing with like friends that are projects, their family that are projects. Like they like to work on people all the time. Do you ever suggest like, hey, why don't you get into like the coaching field or like how do you help them kind of like look at who they're with and who they surround themselves with and try to, how do you say, like, turn it into the better and not just, like, work on people and make them into pro- – and just have them into projects? Yeah, so I would I would tell someone that, you know, as, as a person or as a coach, it's not our job to fix people. Right. Um, and, and people are, are not in – you know, like, people are – going through their journey in life. Yeah, no and one's perfect. It's, you know, it's not, it's not our responsibility to, you know, take them on. Yeah. Um, because sometimes I think I really believe in like timing. And I think mm-hmm. that timing is like so essential for someone where, you never want to, you know, create someone as a project that's not ready for it because then they're not right. going to gain the value or insight or knowledge that you can offer them. Whereas right. if you let it unfold naturally, that person probably would seek you out anyway. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you find that people who, like, like to take on projects, people who are projects usually – end up in the coaching field like have you ever seen that I think it depends I think um if you're in a Mm -hmm. space where you have a very strong desire to fix people I would Mm -hmm. say you're you probably need a coach yourself (laughs) because there's (laughs) because there's something you know there's something you are not addressing within you that's why you're seeking to help others (laughs) And believe that they need to be fixed or they they need help. Um, 
so yeah, I would say that that person probably needs to coach themselves to figure out why they're approaching people as projects and why they're they have this desire. It it may not have anything to do with coaching. It may just be they need a coach. A coach themselves. What makes a good coach to you? Um, I think a good coach is someone who whose energy um is aligned with what you need in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, so for mm. me, like I'm a misc of like I'm very high energy. I would say mm-hmm. a lot of masculine energy. Um but I'm kind of a mix of feminine and masculine. So when I get coached, um, my coaches are usually pretty grounded. Like they're very mm-hmm. grounded individuals. Like um, they help much. Um, and I find the people that come to me are the that way as well. They're grounded. They need to be brought up a notch. So I think mm-hmm. finding a good coach and being a good coach is just, understanding what you're offering to people so that you attract the people that need you. That's great. Also, I feel like finding a coach that has gone through very similar circumstances like you, I think that's also great. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. if it's like something yeah. totally outlandish and like nuts and you both share that, I think it's it's awesome. And I feel like people – you know what I always wonder people who are very gifted and have like certain abilities I think they also need to see a coach or they need to see somebody who has like similar abilities to them because sometimes when you're talking about I mean I don't know like you know having certain dreams and having like visions and I feel like if you Mm -hmm. tell that to somebody just like who doesn't do that it's just like how how much can I handle myself listening to this person talk about their dreams and the symbols and this and that don't you agree like somebody should see somebody who has like the same abilities as them yes absolutely I just had that epiphany <laughs> myself of like you know, yeah, I'm, like, tapping into all my gifts and stuff. And it's it's hard when it first kind of starts coming through. And then mm-hmm. you're, like, am I a crazy person? <laughs> you're, like, am I crazy? And then you, like, my coach I've had for the last three years, like, I mm-hmm. only felt like she understood me. Like, she navigated me in the right direction. She made me feel amazing like she's like you're not crazy like you're you have gifts you know so I I do believe that too like I think just having I guess going back to that soul speak like having someone that speaks the same language because it's like if you're talking to like the normal person that may not Mm -hmm. have tapped into their abilities they're not going to speak the same language for you you know no they won't it's just so important to have a mentor especially when things are opening up for you you don't feel like you're nuts. <laughs> Is there exactly, anything yeah, else yeah. that you want people to know about being like misconceptions about being a coach that you want to address? Yeah, I um I feel like a lot of people think coaching therapy. Um and it's definitely not. Um and you know how you know I get a lot of my family going, "Oh, you're a therapist." I'm like, "No." 
because to me, you know, therapy is trauma, right? And therapy yeah. is about just like kind of actualizing and verbalizing your trauma into words. Mm-hmm. But with um, coaching, I feel like it's, you know, I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to give you action. Like, we're not just going to talk and I'll be like, see you later. I'm going to say, no, you need to do X, Y, and Z in the next mm-hmm. month or the next two weeks until we meet again. So I think coaching's a little bit more, um, it holds you to meet your goals more. Um, where therapy is just like you need to talk through whatever's going on under the surface. Um, mm-hmm. And then once you do that, then you probably need a coach. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's a, that's a big misconception. I feel like I get a lot from people. Um, yeah. And that is, yeah, that is something I've heard as well. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't know um, if you get any other ones, like the difference between like coaching and something else, but. That's the main one, I guess. That's a good one. Do you, like, talk about fear a lot with your clients? Yes. I love coaching on fear because I have so many fears that I'm working on myself, and it's just so real. Like, you know, everyone has fears, and that's Mm -hmm. what holds us back a lot from doing what we want to do. I'm actually doing a talk on it um, later this week on Instagram Live. Um, Amazing. But, yeah, I, I, I love talking about fear. I love, like, helping clients figure out, like, if their fear is real. <laughs> I know that sounds bizarre, but sometimes we just create fears from our, like, programming as kids or, like, our mm-hmm. environment in our childhood and then – you know, in our 20s or 30s, we're kind of examining it. We're like, am I actually afraid of spiders? Like, did something happen to me with a spider? Like, where did this fear come from, you know? Because Past I feel life. like it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's like almost just like our, like our body's way or our mind's way of like trying to protect us from something, you know? Yeah. That's true. A lot of our fears are not real. Yeah. So, where can you tell us where everyone can find you and book an appointment with you? Session with you? Yes, absolutely. Um, so you can find me on Instagram, The Watered Soul. Um, you can also find me on Facebook as The Watered Soul. Um, I also have my website up, thewatersoul.com, so you can book with me um, through my website or through my link tree on my Instagram. Um, yeah, that that's where you can find me. I'm uh, coming out with a program in a few weeks, um, so that's exciting, exciting stuff. And I'll be doing a lot of uh, Instagram Lives this summer, just talking about different topics with different coaches and yeah, that's where you can find me. Great. Thank you so much, Katie. I had a great talk with you, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you have in the future going on. Yeah, thanks so much. Of course. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode with Katie. I felt like I was being coached in a way on certain things that I feel like I'm doing wrong 
in regards to having boundaries when it comes to coaching your friends and actually being their friend i've been in situations where fortunately i have lost friends and a lot of people can say hey maybe they weren't your real friends if you had to lose them through helping them or trying to help them but i did and now i think i've hit that like great like sweet spot on like how to stay a friend and not enter into that coaching world that i do with people that i work with so i think she gave great tips if you want to get involved with um, coaching, if you want to get started, you could always reach out to her as well. I think she's like probably a great person to start with. She knows about boundaries and book a session with her. And yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode on boundaries with friends and being a life coach. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder. If you like what you're listening to, if you like my content, if you like my podcast episodes, really appreciate ratings on Apple, reviews, subscribe, share to your friends, family, anyone you really think would benefit it. And thank you always for the support.